the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by Border Hawk News on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador. George Rodriguez. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on this Saturday, May 7th, 2022. How's everybody? First of all, we've got to, well, let me thank uh, Border Hawk News, our sponsor for uh, uh, sponsoring and helping our program. I I am truly indebted to these folks. If you want to know anything, anything about... uh, immigration, about migratory movements across the country, across the world, Border Hawk News is the place to go. So, let me tell you who our guests are because our show is is packed today. Uh, our first guest is Mr. John uh, Zadrozny, Deputy Director of Investigations at the America First Legal Foundation in D.C. Uh, John's going to be talking to us about uh, a, uh, a lawsuit that uh, the foundation uh, America First Foundation has uh, joined in with uh, Texas uh, on immigration issues. Then we've got uh, Mr. Jason Jones, who is a regular guest with us, uh, a Newsmax reporter. Uh, he's going to be chat- giving us an update about uh, the crime uh, that's going on at uh, at the border. We also have another reporter, uh, Mr. Idelfonso Ortiz, who is with Breitbart, and he's going to be talking to us, uh, giving us an update about... Um, the uh, issues of the cartels uh, and, and uh, their activities on the other side of the border. Our final guest is Mr. is Sheriff A.J. Lauterbach from Jackson County, and he is also president of the Texas Regional Sheriff's Alliance. He is going to chat with us about the uh, Texas Regional Alliance, uh, the sheriffs, uh, that uh, uh, what they are facing in, uh, in, in trying to stem and, and control the border crisis. So, folks... Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us today. Please call your friends and tell us, tell them to join us. Support our program. I would hope you are doing that. Uh, without further ado, then, let's go to our first guest, Mr. John Sadrozny, from, uh, who is the Deputy Director for Investigations at the America First Foundation in Washington, D.C. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And we've got uh, our good friend, Mr. John uh, uh, Zadrosny. Uh, let me make sure I say it correctly, John. I always butcher your last name. Zadrosny, John Zadrosny, from who is the deputy director for investigations at the America First Legal Foundation in Washington D.C. Now, I wanted to get John on because uh, there is uh, a a uh, some legal action um, by the state of Texas on behalf of the state of Texas on behalf of all of us against the Biden administration over the asylum rule. John, t- tell us about that situation. Sure, George. And thanks again for having me on, sir. It's great to be here. So uh, really quickly, we, we basically were working with the, the Attorney General's office, Attorney General Paxton's office, to file a lawsuit against what's known as an interim final rule that was put out by the Departments of Homeland Security and Justice uh, to deal with the asylum process. And the main reason we, we did so is because the rule is essentially designed to gut what's called expedited removal uh, and prevent it really from being an effective tool and create an asylum system where there's really never any final adjudication until the alien gets a benefit, whether they deserve it or not. So your audience may not know about expedited removal. It's actually a really valuable tool available to the Department of Homeland Security for immigration enforcement purposes. What it allows is that when DHS apprehends an alien that's been in the country for two years or less or anywhere in the United States, Uh, they can be removed pretty much immediately. Now, um, if they make an asylum claim, uh, like they get arrested 
they say, oh, oh I, uh, I'd like to claim asylum, which a lot do. Um, it's funny how they didn't claim it when they crossed the border. They claim it only when they've been arrested a year after being in the country. Um, we still have to give them the right of review for their asylum claim. Usually what happens, though, is we put them in front of an asylum officer. There's a quick adjudication. Um, if it turns out that they have a neg- their claim is found to be not, not enough for an asylum claim, they're quickly removed from the country. This IFR is designed to basically prevent them from really ever being removed. It creates this endless loop where it puts, um, basically makes it so that uh, an, an immigration judge can only support a positive finding. It can never have a negative finding, and DHS can always pull it back to have a negative find a positive finding when they found a negative finding. It sounds really complicated. Um, it is. Uh, the, the PDF version of this uh, IFR was about 500 pages, <laughs> so it took a while to get through. Uh, wow. <laughs> a royal mess. And one thing, one of the most important, I think a, a good way to put it to your audience is it's, it's almost as if um, they've decided that they're going to have the motto, the alien always wins, be the rule for our asylum system. So, um, for example, IJs, immigration judges, they are appointed by the Attorney General. They're supposed to be the officers, both under federal law, um, under the Homeland Security Act, but also because they're appointed and they file, they be, they're basically um, the types of officers who are supposed to deal with these responsibilities under the Appointments Clause. We think that this IFR violates both the Appointments Clause of the U.S. Constitution and the Homeland Security Act by creating, it, creating a situation where the immigration judge can never have a final adjudication that's a negative one for the alien. It always loops it back to DHS and gives the asylum officers broader power. And the reason we think the, it violates the Appointments Clause is because while the immigration judges are appointed by the Attorney General and are the appropriate officials to be dealing with this, it keeps giving these career bureaucrats who aren't appointed by anybody that is hired under the civil service system the authority to override an immigration judge. Uh, we think that's both unconstitutional and illegal. And it, you get a sense of this when you read this rule. If you, I, I don't encourage anyone in your audience to, to read it unless they really need a cure for insomnia. Um, but if they do want to go through it, you will get this sense of there's never a way to deny a benefit. And they really just want to make sure that everyone who's in the country always gets a yes. Well, you know, and, and forgive me, but it seems to me like this is just another incentive uh, for illegal immigration. I mean, if there is no penalty, then by definition, you know, you're going to get in, you're going to stay, whether it's indefinite or because, well, because eventually they'll just get tired and leave you alone. Uh, I mean, that just seems to be just another incentive for, for uh, illegal immigration. George, you are 100% right. What's really interesting is in the rule, there's a lot of commentary because they're not only laying out their perspective about the need for the rule, but they're also responding to comments from the public. And they do two things which I find very curious. They say that, uh, first they say that uh, we don't think this will have a negative impact on illegal immigration. Well, of course it's going to have a negative impact. Now, if you're asking me if people in the Northern Triangle are reading this IFR, I'm pretty sure they're not, but rumors spread when people have senses of whether things are a little more open or a little more closed, and I'm sure the word on the street is they're making it easier for people to come, and that's going to lead to hundreds of thousands more on top of the hundreds of thousands that have already entered the country since the start of the Biden administration. The other thing, though, is they're very dismissive in the rule of the idea that this is going to be a monstrous burden for the states. Um, And part of the reason why is not only are they creating this endless loop of review that gets the alien to yes at the federal level, but they've also basically illegally expanded parole. Uh, They're basically proposing a parole standard for those who are in the expedited removal process. And the whole point of expedited removal is that you've got them, you can do a quick adjudication on whether or not they've got a valid asylum claim, and then you remove them from the country. But we know from a study that we did in December of 2020 before leaving the Trump administration that it's a really binary dynamic. You have a very high percentage success of removing people from the country when you never release them from detention. And you have a very low success rate of removing people from the country when you release them from detention. And what they've basically done is they've taken what's a very narrow exception, basically for emergency medical services and support of law enforcement investigations, opened it into a giant parole rule, and they're going, to, they're going to write some guidance after this rule is finalized, where they're basically going to declare, like, the public interest is that we have to release everyone in custody. Oh, my God. So, so they're, they're trying, they're, they're, I have to give them credit, like, you know, they, they are doing yeoman's work to undercut every aspect of effective immigration enforcement, and this is just the latest step, but we think it's unconstitutional and illegal, and we're working with Texas to stop it. You know, it, it really has been a, a, an eye-opener uh, to go to a detention center and see how things are being handled nowadays. I mean, it used to be, well, first of all, there were very few people at the detention centers because, well, there were very few people crossing and, you know, relatively more people running away and hiding uh, than introducing themselves or anything of the nature. But, uh, you know, 
there are constantly protesters in front of these detention centers demanding that people be released. And I, you know, it, to me, uh, it, it, it is uh, it, it floors me that people are are trying to undercut law and order. Not to mention the border, the security of the border. Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty clear there's a there's a, a huge political motivation on the left to make sure that we don't have effective immigration enforcement and effective immigration detention. And uh, you know, what's really funny is those protesters don't seem to care, but the states and the localities do because they eventually pay for this. This is actually one of the things I find really interesting about the rule. They're very dismissive of the idea that the states and localities are going to have any cost for this. Yes, and exactly. that's just flat out untrue. You and I both know. The reality is when you have illegal aliens wandering around your jurisdiction, everything from emergency medical services to law enforcement costs for investigations and arrests, et cetera, uh, especially on the border, George. Like I, I, the sheriff's offices have told me, I've had the privilege of getting to know a few sheriffs on the Texas border, and they all say all of these costs from what the cartels are doing with the blessing of this administration fall to us. You know, from the minute, from the minute a rancher picks up the phone because he found a dead body on his land and calls the sheriff, the minute that alien is buried in the potter's field, because we bear everyone with respect, um, that cost falls on the county, and the federal government doesn't reimburse them for it. That's right. And that, that, that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of the actual cost when you talk about everything from health care, schooling, etc. That's right. So um, I think the states have a pretty good argument for saying that they were completely ignored in this rulemaking process and that the federal government did this wrong. Yeah. In fact, this morning, as we speak, this morning I went jogging as usual in, uh, in, our, in, in a... Uh wooded area here and again for the second time in about a month i ran into an illegal alien who's camping well it's not the same illegal alien which is also disturbing but an illegal alien who's camping out in the in, in the uh, in the woods uh guy just this guy just crossed about uh, two about two weeks ago and um i mean uh, again that's more cost not to mention uh, a security effort for the neighborhood right i mean that's the thing this administration doesn't seem to care about it's that there are real repercussions for the people who are citizens and lawfully here. Um, and not everyone who comes over is dangerous or violent, but some are, and that's a real problem. And when you don't have a sense of who's coming in, uh, you are basically fueling a disaster in the making. I mean, I, we know, for example, we know um, that at least, I believe the number was somewhere in the vicinity of 24 or 25 um, individuals on terror watch lists were detained at the border. Well, George, you and I both know with the volume of people who crossed, those are just the people who were captured, and exactly. it's unlikely that we captured 100% of attempted terrorist watch list crossers. So who knows who's out there? And then you've just got the run-of-the-mill violent people. We also know the cartels are really good at manipulating our immigration system to get their, their, their men and women into um, facilities, pretending they're minors. MS-13 has, has played our government like a fiddle, uh, and they basically have used our um, juvenile, the UAC, the Unaccompanied Alien Children Detention Centers, as you know, rest stops and recruiting stations for MS-13's gang recruitment. It's a disaster. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's just a shame because there will be fallout for, for uh, Americans and uh, people who are legally present in the country, and uh, just we're just going to have to, unfortunately, watch it unfold. So what is the status of this uh, legal challenge that you guys got, and got going? Well, we filed this with Texas on Thursday of last week, um, and I believe we filed it. We did file it at the Fifth Circuit. Um, the the government immediately moved to have it moved to D.C., where they can get one of um, their more recent friendly appointments to see the, the case, perhaps. And we'll see what happens. But um, uh, w- regardless of whether or not it gets moved, we know we've got substance and merit on our side, and we're looking forward to see what happens. You got it. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our good friend uh, John. Uh, <laughs> Zadrozny. Jeez, I can't believe it. I'm sorry. John Zadrozny from the uh, America First Legal Foundation. John, you guys are doing great work. Keep it up and keep us informed. Thank you, George. Will do. Take care. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Hi, folks. This is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News.
Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. And we've got uh, our very good friend, Mr. Jason Jones, <coughs> who is uh, a reporter with uh, Newsmax now. He is a criminal border crime a border crime expert, and he used to be with the Texas Dep Department of Public Safety, so that uh, tells you a little bit about his background. But now he is uh, covering what is going on at the border uh, from his perspective. And uh, welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you for taking time to be with us. I know you've been out in the middle of uh, nowhere out there in the in the hinterlands on the border. Tell us what you're. Uh, give us an update. What's going on? Well, George, it's good to be with you, buddy. Thanks for always having me back on and talk about the latest of what's happening down there and what we're seeing, and most importantly, how it impacts the folks that are listening, because that's really what it's all about. We just spent six days embedded with the men and women of the Texas Department of Public Safety, what I call elite aircraft division. I truly mean that, because what they're doing along the border is much more than just trying to hold back this wave of an invasion of people, but they're also really doing yeoman's work, if you will, saving lives and so many other things. You know, you go out to West Texas, you know, big Bend country where you can take the state of Connecticut and put it inside of this place. It's so big and vast. And what they do out there is just incredible. I mean, I, I go out there to tell a story of, of the sheer numbers of people, drugs, and other things that are crossing that border. What you end up finding is a real humanitarian side. I mean, you just find so many complexities of this border crisis that's beyond, it's even hard to articulate if I'm being honest with you. I mean, give you a great example. We arrived on Tuesday and we watched as they took seven people into custody, five Mexican citizens and two uh, Hondurans. All of them had paid La Lina cartel and their alien smuggling organizations $1,500 to be brought into the United States. They were four days into the country and then in the middle of the night, their smuggler abandoned them. So what we thought turned out to be started to be an apprehension really turned into a rescue because they were just abandoned in the desert they didn't have the proper provisions not no water food the things you need to survive and the agents are telling me george they're seeing this back to back a few days before we got there they recovered a dead body literally 20 feet from interstate 10 uh where the guy had made it but he missed his pickup and died right there from uh just you know from exposure to the environment and as the heat is kicking in now, that they're going to be seeing a lot more of that. And just to kind of put things in perspective, I interviewed one of the sergeants out there. His name is Sergeant Jimmy Morris. What this man is doing is truly incredible work. He, he is a tracker, but he's a tactical flight officer. And what they do is they'll do an off air, what they call off airport landing in the desert on the side of a mountain. They'll track people just as you would have in the 1800s, reading their footprints. And that's what they're doing out there. And he is saving lives. Last year, he told me they saved over 100 people. Wow. Now, again, this is in what part of what what, what part of the of the state or the, the country that you sure. Yeah, this was in West Texas. Uh, we were operating out of Alpine, Texas, wow. just beautiful, beautiful mountains, beautiful country. But, but it's the desert. Area is, is, but it's desert. It's desert. <laughs> that's right. And it is vast. I mean. You know, we would fly in, in helicopters for 45 minutes to go 73-plus miles just to get to a location where a group had just crossed. On any given day, just so your viewers know, they average between 5 and 15 large groups of people, between 10 and 40 people crossing every single day out there. Wow. wow. That I, they know of. Now, you know, um, as far as the deputies and the sheriffs that go out that, that are out there, I mean, they've got to not only take care of their citizens, the residents, but uh, they also help, have to help and back up um, uh, the Border Patrol, which itself is, is, uh, is sparsely out there. Uh, how, many, how, how vast of an area is this that they've got to cover? Oh, it's massive. I mean, Region 4 out there, going from <clears throat> just outside of Del Rio, where Sanderson, Texas is, all the way to El Paso, encompasses over 600 miles. I had the opportunity to interview the regional director and the way the state of Texas is broke up, which is a very unique thing. They operate what is known as the unified command where everybody works together because the problem set is so big. No one agency is strong enough or big enough to take this on. So they work in a collaborative environment, sharing intelligence with both CBP, us customs and border protection, the state and local law enforcement agencies all working in a unified. And when you, 
when you when I had the opportunity to interview the regional director, it was really interesting listening to him because he commands literally over a thousand personnel. I mean, uh, not including you know National Guard, which they deployed twelve thousand to the southwest border for just Texas. So the authority that these regional directors have is tremendous under state resources. Never mind the fact that you have a one point eight billion dollar Texas funded Operation Lone Star under Governor Greg Abbott, which is fantastic. I mean, there is no state in the country doing what Texas is doing, trying to do what they can to hold the line on this way. But when I talked to the regional director, Joe Sanchez, great guy, I asked him, I said, tell me something that is a tectonic shift from what you've seen historically that most Americans, he said, you know, out here, We've always, we would run search warrants on house, stash houses, and we would seize hundreds, if not thousands of pounds of marijuana. He said, today we're running search warrants. We see very little marijuana, but mostly we're seeing fentanyl and methamphetamine. He goes, and our seizures have dropped from literally hundreds or thousands of pounds to 5, 10, 15, 20 pounds of deadly fentanyl and methamphetamine. And I said, who do you attribute that directly to? He said, to two cartels. The Sinaloans, uh, Sinaloa cartel, who's in control of the Juarez Plaza, directly across from El Paso, and then La Lina, who is working with another faction of the Sinaloans, because the Sinaloa cartel is battling internally right now. So you've got both La Lina and you've got Sinaloans pushing these deadly, deadly drugs into the U.S. And it was a really good, detailed interview because he was able to articulate uh, that. Also, one of the other things that really concerns him is that as we're seeing and more people and this just massive increase in human smuggling and human trafficking. He is also seeing where we have our own problems internally, where people from outside the state are coming in to work with alien smuggling organizations to smuggle these people and make money all over the country. And he said that was another tectonic shift that he had been seeing. Now, the people that they are smuggling, I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing, two, we're seeing two distinct groups. One that goes to the Border Patrol, presents themselves, and declares asylum or asks for asylum. There's thousands of those, hundreds of thousands of those. These people that are, being sne- that are sneaking in who do not want to be detected, who do not want to introduce themselves to the, uh, to the Border Patrol, uh, I am under the assumption they're not, safe, they're not good characters. <laughs> Well, it's a bit of both, and you're absolutely right. So we break that down into several categories. The first category is family units. You hear us talk about that. So what you see from most news networks is you see them walk up to a big group of family of a family unit who are turning themselves in because under the current administration's uh, policies, they are allowed to stay in the United States. So any family unit you see, um, they're allowed to stay unless, George, they're from Mexico they are uh, Guatemalan or Honduras. Now, these policies change all the time, just so you know, but this is the current thing. So the runners that we're encountering at the southwest border, specifically where I just came from in far west Texas, most of them are Mexican citizens, Hondurans, and Guatemalans. But here's the kicker. You also have a whole nother subset, which the government is causing all of this under this administration because what they have told the world is that it doesn't matter what country you come from, you're going to be able to stay in this country under what they call an NTAOR, a Notice to Appear Owner's Recognizance. So if you're Pakistani, if you're Central American, I mean, if you are Middle Eastern, if you are all from all over the world, you're allowed to stay here. Even if you're a single male and single female, or before you are not allowed to stay. And if you are Cuban, and this is the big reason you're seeing all these Cubans, Nicaraguans, and Venezuelans now in just the last few months, the numbers, George, of when I'm in South Texas are tremendous of Cubans, Nicaraguans, and Venezuelans. Now, why? Why are they coming now? Here's why. The government has decided under this administration that they're going to do what's called a humanitarian parole, allowing these people to stay in the United States, whether they are a family unit, single male, or single female. And the Cubans, Nicaraguans, and Venezuelans are also the ones you've heard about the cell phones that they are being given. So when they're processed by the Border Patrol and the processing center before they're released, they're given a cell phone, those three countries. And that's the way it's working right now. So what has happened is the messaging to the world has been, if you want to come to the country, you can come and you can stay. And that's why you are seeing these numbers climb through the roof. But I'll go back to you. There are only three countries right now where you are not allowed to stay in the, in the United States. That is if you're a Mexican citizen, 
a Guatemalan or a Honduran. And those you are the only three in the world. <laughs> those are the only that's three. It. Oh my gosh. That's it. And, and, and then that's if you're, you've got a criminal record. You know, yeah. I, you know, I'm not going into all those details because, but here's the problem with it. Tell me what database you check for exactly. Somalis. Exactly. Exactly. Tell, how do you tell know? me what database. How do you know? So yeah. see, what the nat- while we are focused on immigration, George, everything I'm seeing is the failure of national security. That's it. And it's re- and, and I'm going to say it again and again that the Republicans and the Democrats have both got it wrong. They're looking at this through the lens of immigration in the way we looked at this in 2016. And what do you hear? You hear, let's build a border wall, let's let's reinstate MPP, and let's reinstate the over-the-horizon approach. That's great for immigration. You hear nothing from anyone on what we're going to do for national security. And for me, that's my concern. That's right. We've got to uh, let you go, buddy, but tell them how how they can follow you. Absolutely. We are on Newsmax every day, and I am Newsmax's border correspondent. And I mean, we are working every day to illuminate what's happening on that border and how what happens there directly impacts the folks. You can also find us on social media at Tripwires and Triggers. That's Tripwires and Triggers on social media. You got it. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our good friend Jason Jones from Newsmax. Jason, you stay safe, buddy. You too, buddy. As always, thank you for having me, George. Great to be with you. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. And uh, we've got our good friend, Mr. Idelfonso. Ortiz, who is with Breitbart. He is a reporter here on the border. And I wanted to get him uh, to give us an update uh, of what is going on at the border, what he is seeing, because, um, uh, well, you know, we've got uh, other folks that uh, talk to us about the legal perspective, about the politics, but uh, Ilfonso is right there at the at the border. So, uh, Ilfonso, welcome to the show. Talk to us. What uh, what can you tell us? What's what's the update? Well, you know, sort of what you've been, you know, we've been seeing the, you know, there's a crisis down here. Uh, immigration continues to be at an all time high. I'm talking like illegal immigration, uh, asylum seeker, uh, migrant. I mean, and ultimately, the only ones that are really benefiting from all this are the drug cartels. They are the ones that are actually making a lot of money by getting people here. Crossing them over uh, across the river, the fence, and uh, basically they are the ones that are making it killing right now. And as such, that uh, also led to a, a increase in violence in certain parts of Mexico. Really, and that's sort of where I mean, okay, yeah. There's a uh, uh, well, uh, just this uh, just this morning there was a shootout in Reynosa. Uh, apparently, the Gulf cartels uh, basically escalating their attack on state police. Just this past Sunday, uh, there was another shootout in Reynosa. There was one police officer killed, another one injured. Uh, and what happened was that they were uh, patrolling uh, the south side of Reynosa. And they basically came across this convoy of gunmen. Uh, they were in three vehicles. And they had just kidnapped uh, uh, a human smuggler. Basically, the guy... Uh, and, and pretty much they kind of came upon this kidnapping so the gunman uh, started shooting at the police officers the police officers called for backup by the time their backup arrived I mean one officer had died uh, they were able to basically rescue the, the other officers and they were able to basically rescue the kidnapping victims the gunman did get away and what the victim told them was basically he was his business was to be bringing migrants in, towards the border and he was paying a fee to the Gulf Cartel for a migrant that he was coming, bringing across. And apparently his numbers were off, so he was kidnapped. Wow. So this, what, what, you know, where I'm going with this is that basically everything that crosses that border and that fence is controlled by one of the cartels that dominate the, the border area, whether it be the Gulf Cartel, Los Cetas, which are now called CDN, uh, whether it be the Juarez Cartel and, you know, uh, the, uh, we get up for the West is the Sinaloa Cartel. But the hot spot is right here with the Gulf Cartel and the Cartel del Noreste, or CDN, 
that's the hot spot right here. And they, anything that crosses there is controlled by them. And that is one thing that, uh, you know, uh, officials in D.C. and, you know, they talk about the border. They never mention the drug cartels that are actually benefiting from all this. There, there was also, I, uh, I thought I read recently, um, uh, you know, a, a, some heads, some, some decapitated bodies as well as heads that had shown up uh, on, on the border. Um, did you, uh, have you heard anything about that, about the, the, uh, the atrocities that they are, uh, that the cartels are, are uh, uh, committing? Well, the, 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 the violence is basically an all-time high in Mexico, and that's one of the things that uh, what has led to, you know, we, we look at the U.S., the border, but one of the things that, that also D.C. is not taking a, into account is Mexico. The current president of Mexico has taken a soft approach on organized crime. His rule, his, his motto is, hugs, not bullets, abrazos, no balazos. So since he's taken office, uh, this president, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, he has basically ordered this, the federal police and the army not to go after drug cartels. So they're not actually fighting drug cartels. So this has only emboldened them. Uh, sadly, this has translated into uh, record high murders in Mexico. Just this past month, uh, uh, April, was the deadliest month to date in Mexico. Uh, according to the, to their own figures, and that's that's only looking at the murders that are documented by the government. They're not even looking at the ones that go unreported. Uh, now, one of the things to really consider is that, for example, parts of Mexico that were being safe in the past are no longer safe. And by that, I'm talking about areas like Baja, uh, Rocky Point, uh, you know, Cancun. Uh, central Mexico, you know, people love going to uh, areas like Guanajuato, Querétaro, and all that stuff. Those areas are now hotspots for violence. Uh, you know, uh, for example, Cancun, huge tourist destination. And the problem in Cancun is they're trying to keep or to suppress that they are actually having record high murders, record high kidnappings, and pretty much uh, daily episodes of violence down there. Now, you know, a place like Miguel Aleman, which has ha historically been a, a large American colony, uh, are these places being affected as well? Well, Miguel Aleman, which is just south of, of, uh, of Star County, Texas, that area has been pretty much under fire for several years. Basically, that, that is the crown jewel of the Gulf Cartel. That is their busiest smuggling corridor. Wow. And, and why? Because there's no fence in that area. Yeah. And the river's pretty shallow in that spot. So that is where uh, a large section of the migrants cross. Drugs are able to cross through there. And one of the scary parts is that, uh, you know, in, in the Miguel Alemán area, when you cross into, into Texas, you're right next to a city. So pretty much it's kind of hard to for people just to they cross and they are able to blend in. Like I said, there's no fencing and nothing of the sort. So it is one of the biggest, uh, you know, smuggling corridors. And actually, because of its uh, geographical value, it's always been fought over between the Gulf Patel and Los Cetas, now called Cartel de Noreste. Uh, so that area has seen, uh, has seen an unending wave of violence over and over and over. Do you think that uh, Operation Lone Star has helped um, to stem or at least control the violence, uh, the cartels on the other side, uh, or are, is it slowly creeping in our direction anyway? Well, it, it, it's the violence is slowly creeping now. Operation Lone has helped, in, but but not in the way that people think. So, for example, uh, you know, with Operation Lone Star, troopers are able to uh, operate on the highways, and that is, you know, basically they they've been able to hurt cartel smugglers by basically shutting down some of the corridors. Not directly uh, on the river, you know, trying to stop the, the migrants or, 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 you know, and I think they have been able to intercept the drugs, but where they've done the most damage is along the highways because people will say, well, the troopers are just here pulling people over, but no. What they're doing is that when they're pulling vehicles over, 
They're looking for cash. They're looking for drugs. They're looking for weapons. That is where they've actually been able to do a lot of damage to organized crime. However, one of you know, it, it's uh, they, they've been able to uh, try to keep it from getting worse. But ultimately, since the borders are open, uh, you know, even when people in DC will try to rescue this, but the borders are really open. DPS can only do so much. I mean, right now there's parts in a border where uh, you will only see a handful of border patrol agents. You'll see some DPS, but areas are wide open, and 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 the cartels know that. And sadly. The only ones that really have operational control of the border are drug cartels. Wow. Wow. Do you, um, uh, you know, in conclusion here, do you think that uh, the Mexican government can ever get its act together? Because, I mean, uh, I, I remember the, when, uh, when they tried to arrest, when the Mexican government tried to arrest uh, El Chapo Guzman's son uh, in Sinaloa, that uh, the cartels literally chased off. The military and uh, Lopez Obrador, the president, called the the the, uh, the military called them off, uh, and just you know let let the cartels be. So, uh, you know, do you think that there can never be uh, that the government can recuperate or recover? Well, here's where I'm going to be a little controversial, but I don't see it happening ever, and here's why. If you look at, you mentioned El Chapo, somebody, if you look at the trial of El Chapo, you know, during the trial of El Chapo, they name dropped several presidents, including the current one, as having taken money for the campaigns. Oh, my God. Now, yes. if, you, if you look at also the recent arrest of, uh, and release of uh, General Cienfuegos, he was the Mexican Secretary of Defense. The, once he left the office, he was arrested in the U.S. by the DA uh, and, uh, you know, uh, he was released to Mexico so they could prosecute him first, and Mexico basically released him. But the point is that you had the former Secretary of Defense, when he was active, he was one of the top drug cartel operators in Mexico. So it can't get much higher than, than a, a Secretary of Defense. And that just gives you an idea of how high up these things go. Yep. I mean... We've seen governors that have been prosecuted and indicted and convicted of drug trafficking and helping drug cartels. We've had two of them in, the, in, in Tamaulipas. We've had some in Sonora. We've had some in, in other states. So when you're looking at top-level figures, really, I mean, if, you, if, if the U.S. ever really went after drug cartels, half of Mexico's government would be in prison. Wow. I mean, it, it really is. Uh, it, 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 it appears more and more. Like there, it has to be an American solution rather than, you know, a a bipar a, a binational or international solution. Well, well, there there is one solution, uh, uh, and I completely agree with it. It was uh, 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 prom uh, promoted uh, before by uh, Congressman Chip Roy. He actually called for designating the most violent drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. Yes. Yep. That would actually uh, not allow Mexico's government to help those organizations. That's so right. they would lose their influence. Uh, you know, it would be more difficult for them to move their money. And, you know, without government help, without money, they pretty much would be, uh, would, would lose their power and go away. Yep. Letting less violent cartels take over. And that would be a, a sort of a lesson to sort of, you know, yeah. keep the violence down. Yeah. De designating them a, a, a terrorist organization would probably be the best thing that we could do. We need to uh, conclude. So, Idelfonso, tell the people where they can follow you and how they can follow you. Uh, we, my my work and work with my team is on in Breitbart. When you go to Breitbart, you click on the World tab. You go down to Border Cartel Chronicles, and that's where you're going to see a lot of the stuff that really happened on the border that sadly the the modern news media is not showing you or trying to keep the information away from you. We'll show you stuff about the border crisis, the violence in Mexico, and the corruption that's taking place that allows all this to happen. You got it, buddy. Once again, my friends, we've been speaking with our good friend Ildefonso Ortiz from uh, Breitbart. You stay safe, Ildefonso. Thank you. I, I will. I'll try. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. 
in San Antonio. Hi folks, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador. Looking for information on immigration, borders, refugee resettlement, asylum claims, nationalism, and globalism? Go to BorderHawk.News. BorderHawk.News has up-to-date information on these topics and their impact locally, nationally, and internationally. BorderHawk.News has the news that's not covered by the other media or websites. Stay informed on one of the most important issues in this country, immigration. Go to BorderHawk.News. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, in San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And we've got uh, our good friend, Sheriff A.J. Lauterbach from Jackson County, Texas. And he's also president of the Sheriff's Regional Alliance. And uh, I wanted to get him on so that he could chat with us and give us an update of what um, what are the sheriffs facing in this uh, continuing border crisis. Uh, Sheriff Lauterbach. Thank you for taking time to be with us. Uh, what? Uh, give us an update. What is going on with the sheriffs uh, uh, in our state regarding this uh, whole border crisis that seems to continue to get even worse? Well, George, always a pleasure speaking with you about this as a as longtime friends in this particular uh, arena um, of lawlessness today that we see. You know, the sheriffs on the on the major corridor into Houston are besieged daily. Uh, if not multiple times a day, still with the cartel movement of uh, narcotics and humans. So the bailouts, the private property destruction, uh, the, the strain resources, uh, the damage to, to, to vehicles, the, the, the time based upon what these policies have done uh, to Texas and the proliferation um, and the growth of the, of the criminal cartel, mainly in my area here, the Gulf Cartel, Cartel de Golfo, is uh, is really uh, currently now uh, not measurable. They they uh, they're so strong, so sophisticated, and so empowered now from these policies that we have a we have a significant uh, criminal issue here uh, here in Texas because of the the federal policies that uh, have an open open border vision from this administration. Wow, um, what are some of the things that the uh, that the sheriffs are facing? Uh, what kinds of incidences are you uh, having to uh, deal with? Well, you have to, you know, in the daily daily life of a of a, a deputy, uh, with with when you add another thirty percent or more of, of job duties, simply because you have citizens calling in about um, a hand sticking out of the back or a large number of, of, of people in a vehicle. Um, where you're where you're seeing multiple multiple heads, you're having high rates of speed. You you try to affect traffic stops. Uh, the vehicle immediately uh, becomes involved in a in a chase, whether it's high speed or low speed, um, until they find an appropriate place to uh, leave the highway, go through the ditch and through a fence and out into a into a, a field, uh, whether it's wooded or not. Uh, whether there's cows down there or not, whether there's oil field or water type equipment there, which we've had water lines broken in this area. We've had uh, oil field uh, equipment that's been run over and broken, causing leaks. We've, we've had water troughs that were done. We've had fires set from vehicles uh, hitting trees, um, which involves uh, rescues of, of injured immigrants uh, that have come in here, uh, come into the country illegally. So you add that onto the backs of, of Texas law enforcement in so many ways. And then, and then how do you do them with reduced numbers you know, from the U.S. Border Patrol? You know, God bless the men and women of the U.S. Border Patrol. How are we going to get those folks out of our facility? We're trying to arrest the, the, uh, the trafficker, the human trafficker for, uh, for human trafficking cases, of which those are skyrocketing. Uh, so you you have a, a, a complete uh, emphasis on on so much additional duties that you're straining your resources that were not meant to be that we didn't have until January of 21, January 20th of 21 when the Biden administration took over. So these things are still are still happening, and and that and.
course, the major issue for the American and Texas public is the the march with crime. The the it's a steady march upward with with the, the empowerment of the cartel. These are these are long term effects that are going to affect citizens here in Texas and the United States as they become stronger and stronger with the, the stolen vehicles and the and the constant metric tons of narcotics uh, and humans that are being trafficked into this country. And this is this is where the the uh, the, the focus. Uh, really, the the, the the Texas public and American public need to be informed about. And that's that's what you do so you know so good in that. And, you know, our hats are off to you for for being a, a regular voice on this issue, which is monumental importance. Let me ask you also. Uh, we have heard that there's a lot of young people, minors, that are being recruited to run uh, to to drive these uh, these cars carrying human traffic and narcotics. I guess in some cases. Well, certainly, George. I mean, in, in course, the use of, of minors is, in, in the criminal world is, is uh, you know, it's clearly a, uh, you know, a, something that's happened for, for my 43 years of law enforcement. But the uh, it's especially alarming the fact, though, that you can take a 15, 16-year-old, uh, you know, Texas uh, high school student from uh, the Valley and uh, give them a truck and give them 10 people and say, I want you to take these 10 people into Houston, Texas, and you're going to make $1,000 per person. So if you hand $10,000 on a, a five-hour trip to Houston from the Rio Grande Valley, and you hand them $10,000 upon successful delivery of those 10 people, then do you think that the cartel has a new operative from that point on? And the answer is absolutely yes. If you think that person is now going to go back to work at McDonald's or Bucky's or any other place here in Texas, making $17 an hour on the high scale, then uh, you're wrong. Uh, they're, they're those folks, when you give them that kind of money, uh, the second that a friend takes them into a truck, you know, on the parking lot of a high school and on the dashboard sits two inches worth of, of $100 bills and, and ask them if they want to make that kind of money. And what do you think is going to happen to those kids? What do you think they're going to do? It would take an extraordinary individual to leave that truck, um, you know, and, and, and not take part in that process. That's amazing. The uh, one, Another thing that I wanted to ask you is uh, uh, we don't hear very much. I mean, occasionally we do, but we don't hear very much about the fentanyl problem in our communities. Are the sheriffs uh, seeing this headache, this uh, problem? Yes, George. I mean, fentanyl is, is clearly an issue with, with hundreds of thousands of deaths here in the United States for the last several years with, with the uh, introduction of, of uh, a much more powerful drug, one of the most powerful drugs we've ever had to contend with. But, you know, in the, in the travel routes, we're catching some fentanyl. Uh, the, the users Many of those deaths are all attributed to our, our, our major cities. It doesn't mean that they're not happening in smaller cities and rural counties, uh, because they are. But um, you know that I don't know that the media reports on it accurately enough, or the numbers are just too much, uh, or exactly what the story is here. But fentanyl is a true threat, uh, a, a major day threat in the narcotics uh, aspect of this. And the cartel, along with manufacturing uh, wholesale amounts, metric tons of methamphetamine in factories in Mexico, some as close as 60 miles from the Texas border. Uh, you've got, of course, then you've got cocaine. You certainly have marijuana. Um, but you you, uh, you 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 add fentanyl to that, George, and it is uh, it's up the threat level. Uh, to a point where most folks um, are oblivious to, they just they're just not aware. Um, the non-criminal element society here in in Texas and the United States is, is not aware of the horrible effect uh, in the instant death that, that uh, an overdose of fentanyl causes, uh, which were hundreds of thousands. If, if anyone cares to check on those numbers, but it's certainly a certainly a legitimate um, threat, um, you know, to life here in the United States. Yeah, the the news media really seems to underplay that. Let me uh, let me ask you here in closing. We've got a minute uh, or so to go. But let me ask you in closing. Uh, your organization. Tell us a little bit about your organization and um, 
and how you play into this uh, the border crisis? Well, the Texas Sheriff's Regional Alliance uh, was formed back uh, as a founding member, myself, and then, of course, Sheriff T. Michael O'Connor, um, and then Carlos Carrizales, uh, a former sheriff there in B County, who's uh, passed away now. But we formed uh, a group, uh, and really it was a very simple concept, to increase efficiency, communication, um, and working with each other to a higher level because crime is so mobile today. And this is this is transformed from those early days uh, into a 21 county force of like-minded sheriffs who are trying to uh, do everything we can um, in recognizing that the number one issue that we have fought for most of our careers and all of our careers uh, on the corridor areas here, which this alliance is based upon the corridors, and it also has a, a, a lot of us, 16 of us, are 287G government. Uh, which, which I pioneered that uh, back in 2014 to become 287G partners with the federal government. But uh, for immigration, uh, to try to do what we can to, to help and be a force multiplier for ICE and CBP. But, you know, the, the goal always has been like-minded sheriffs working together to increase our efficiency, to take care of our constituents uh, with the type of traffic that's coming through here with modern day law enforcement. So we have to change what we do. We can't have so much of an island mentality. Certainly each sheriff has to take care of his county, but but folks coming through from county to county to county are really the backbone of the criminal aspect of what we're hearing because narcotics uh, run into Houston and they come right back out into our communities. And so, um, this is a goal. This is what we stand for. Uh, this is what we try and achieve uh, each and every day. And my role as the president of the, of the uh, Texas Sheriff's Regional Alliance is to promote that and promote the alliance. Where we're able to get the kind of assets uh, that we need from, the, from, from Texas and the federal government if need be. Sheriff, thank you very, very much for taking time as usual to be with us. We've been speaking with uh, our good friend, uh, Sheriff A.J. Lauterbach from Jackson County, Texas, and uh, president of the Texas Regional Sheriff's Alliance. And uh, thank you very much for for taking time to be with us. Stay safe, my man. You too, George. And thank you for what you do, as always, my friend. Take care. You got it. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.